scientists are looking at what could the impacts be on water, what could the impacts be on forest um, from these types of activities. And then to post this information on Moabi so the companies, the government, civil society groups all have access to the same type of information and start a dialogue around it. In this episode of the Society for New Communications Research podcast, we'll talk with Leo Bottrell from the World Wildlife Fund about the fund's winning entry in the Society's Excellence in New Communications Awards for 2011. I'm your host, Steve Lubetkin. For those of you unfamiliar with the Society for New Communications Research, it's a global nonprofit research and education foundation and think tank. It was founded in 2005 and focuses on advanced study of the latest developments in new media and communications and their effect on traditional media, business models, communications, culture, and society. The Society's fellows include a leading group of futurists, scholars, business leaders, professional communicators, members of the media, and technologists from all around the globe. We're all collaborating on research initiatives, educational offerings, and the establishment of standards and best practices. Every year, the Society presents a prestigious Excellence in New Communications Awards program. The awards honor individuals, corporations, nonprofit organizations, educational institutions, and media outlets that are innovating the use of social media and Internet communications technologies in the areas of business, media, journalism, professional communications, entertainment, education, social initiatives, government, and politics. Now, the award winner that we're focusing on in this program is the World Wildlife Fund. The World Wildlife Fund is focusing on the issue of climate change around the globe. And as it continues to be a global issue, social and location-based media are now being used in the fight to combat global warming. At the heart of this is a worldwide program called Red Plus, R-E-D-D Plus, and it stands for Reducing Emissions from Deforestation and Forest Degradation. It's backed by the UN and the World Bank and aims to reduce deforestation by compensating developing countries with intact rainforests to keep them that way. And the World Wildlife Fund, working with its partners, developed a technological platform called Moabi, which is designed to be an interactive clearinghouse for information on deforestation. Leo Bottrell is a senior program officer for the World Wildlife Fund's policy unit in Washington, D.C., and he's the project leader for Moabi, which is crowdsourcing data on infrastructure and extractive activities that could have an impact on critical ecosystems. The first Moabi website launched in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in March of 2011. We spoke with Leo by Skype from his office in Washington about the challenges of creating the system and how it's working out for the World Wildlife Fund. Leo Bottrell, thanks for joining us on the Society for New Communications Research podcast. Great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Leo, why don't you tell us a little bit about the World Wildlife Fund first, and then we'll talk a bit about the Red Plus program that won the recognition in the Snicker Awards of Excellence program this year. Well, um, World Wildlife Fund is, um, is actually a network of um, many organizations linked together um, under the name WWF. We have about... Uh, 5,000 active staff, about 400 in the U.S. where I'm based, and we work on some of the biggest uh, conservation and environmental challenges um, around the world, around the world, from conserving, trying to conserve the Congo Basin rainforest, where I'm currently working, to working on river conservation um, in the Mekong. 
Now, the particular program that was recognized by the Society for New Communications Research was something called Reducing Emissions from Deforestation and Forest Degradation. Talk a little bit about what that program's goal was and how, in particular, uh, the World Wildlife Fund got involved. Um, the Reduced Emissions from Deforestation and Degradation program is, uh, is an initiative to try and find a way to compensate uh, developing countries, particularly those in tropical regions, to provide a a financial incentive not to chop down trees um, through what's called avoided deforestation. So essentially the idea is that if we can demonstrate how countries like um, the Democratic Republic of Congo or Brazil can reduce the amount of forest they're planning to chop down and use the um, provision of carbon credits as a financial incentive not to do that, um, then um, we can slow the amount of deforestation and forest loss in these places. And WWF is actively engaged within the RED process um, at, at, at a strategic level, certainly with, um, within the UN processes um, being organized, and also within a number of these key forest countries, such as uh, um, the DRC and Brazil and Indonesia, um, to support the, the governments and civil society prepare for um, um, developing the technical approaches to, to making RED work, um, and providing the kind of policy support and practical support to, to those developing um, a means of uh, developing RED projects. Now, in this particular instance, the, uh, the demonstration site was in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which, according to the description on the uh, Snicker website, is one of the world's largest intact rainforests. And what's going on? Why is it a difficult challenge to preserve the, the rainforests in these developing countries? Um. It's, it's challenging in, in different ways in different places. Um, in the case of Democratic Republic of Congo, um, you have relatively low deforestation compared to, say, in Brazil um, and Indonesia. But the forest is being lost slowly through um, clearance from, from firewood collection, uh, for the, uh, the creation of like a charcoal um, and small-scale agriculture. Um, whilst in Indonesia or Brazil, the, the loss of forests is from larger scale, more industrial um, activities such as large oil palm plantations or um, larger industrial scale logging or, um, or cattle ranching. Um, the issue with the Congo Basin is, is that um, as roads continue to improve and investors are encouraged by the continuing political stability within the country, they will begin to um, have an increase of this kind of industrial large scale clearance, which will also um, compete with the uh, um, the smaller scale activity currently going on. Um, so we could see a, a lot more deforestation being caused in the Congo from road infrastructure, from larger scale logging and large scale agriculture in the future. And that's what we want to uh, try and uh, work towards um, minimizing the impact. Now, because the Society for New Communications Research, of course, is focused on the uses and the intersections of these kinds of projects with technology, talk a little bit about the technology that was developed to, to move this project forward. Um, the technology that we used, we, we wanted to basically build a, a mapping approach, I'd say, that could help us to, to track all these potential future causes of forest loss um, spatially over 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 a map, and what we realised is a lot of the existing software and programs out there weren't really able to to, to help us generate a, a simple, easy to use interface where we could show things like logging permits, road projects, mining activities, all, all these kind of different um, land use planning activities which could cause deforestation 
in a in a simple to simple to use um, website. So we we basically embarked upon building um, Moabi um, to be this kind of portal for different um, organizations, institutions who are trying to support the government um, to monitor these types of activities and use the, the data to um, generate more stronger scientific studies on how much forest could be lost if, if you build a road through this particular patch of forest or you in, embark on um, oil and gas or mining activity here. So that was really the kind of technical challenge with building this kind of simple, easy to use collaborative website. Now, who are the um, individuals and organizations contributing data to the to the database? The the main providers right now are actually all of the government ministries. So we we've been going through like a one year testing phase where our primary data providers are actually the um, the government offices charged with spatial planning um, and development planning uh, within the country. So, for example, the Ministry of Infrastructure um, provided all of their road rehabilitation project data. Um, on Samoabi, which is several thousand, if not hundreds, um, if not thousands, of um, road project information, including bridge locations and ports. Um, and the same also goes for the Ministry of Mines, um, who've, who provided access to their database of all the mining concessions. Um, the World Resource Institute is uh, one of our partners in implementing Moabi, and with their partnerships with um, the Ministry of Environment, they provided access to the logging permit database for the country as well. Um, and some of the smaller NGOs, including um, groups, including the, uh, a group called the um, International Peace Information Service, um, they provided information on artisanal um, mining information, which is a lot of the kind of conflict minerals you hear about in the news, but they've provided access to their data on the locations of where those mining activities are within the east of the Congo. So we have a, a range of different types of organizations providing um, a bulk of our data. And all of this data is being integrated and indexed and cross-referenced with Google Maps and some other ge geospatial data? So, yes. Cur currently, the, uh, the information is overlaid on Google Maps. And we built our platform using a, a Drupal content management system and, um, and, and using a Google Maps API. Um, but what happens with a lot of our data is we, you can download the information in a shapefile, and then you can use this information in a GIS platform where you can perform analyses and maybe you want to use your own base layer such as a carbon map or a ecosystem service map to to do run type run type run spatial analyses and in the next phase of Moabi we hope to encourage people doing analysis off the site to post their um, their results on Moabi so people can see how the data is being used now is this ultimately going to be available to members of the public or primarily to people working in the field how's that going to work out um, I guess because we're working in DRC, um, um, initially the, the internet remains a, remains a barrier for a lot of people to use the site, um, particularly out, outside of major cities. Um, internet access is improving. Um, but what, what, what we're doing now is we're trying to encourage um, more civil society groups in Kinshasa to use the site and providing more access to, to the website through, um, through our office there um, to actually upload and use the data. Um, in the future, we, we are planning to develop a mobile device um, so people can map and share information using mobile technology, which of course is increasing more rapidly within Central Africa and across Africa than more quickly than, say, the internet is. Um, to, but to get your data more into the hands of communities, we're looking to partner with smaller NGOs working at the grassroots so we can take the you know, interesting and new data on Moabi and we can print hard copy maps and then distribute these maps as part of community land use planning processes 
um, within within the field locations um, within the DRC. And f for the future, as this gets rolled out or perfected first in, in the DRC and then gets rolled out to other countries, presumably, um, how do you envision it's going to benefit uh, people who are doing land use planning? I'm, I'm hoping that we can have a, a much more collaborative, transparent planning process amongst groups of stakeholders. So just getting government ministries to work together, from the Ministry of Mines and Infrastructure to work together, or the Ministry of Agriculture, having a shared platform where all the different types of information is available through one site, and they all can download and all can see where there's potential overlaps or potential conflicts, make it available. And then also to have um, civil society groups, and particularly those who work at a grassroots level who are helping communities to map their resources and their land, of course, they want to have access to what the larger scale private sector and government planning also is as well. So I think that Moabi and this kind of shared data approach and transparent approach will allow these different groups to at least have access to the same information so they can begin negotiating um, a more transparent and participatory approach to planning. And I think the internet and hopefully Moabi can be a useful tool in, in facilitating that process. And, uh, of course, just to make this um, more relevant and, and bring it down to the how it helps level, talk a little bit about what this really means for the environment and for the wildlife that are so important to your organization. What this means is that we, we know what's being planned in places that matter to us, and we know who we can engage with and, and when. And to give you an example from our current work, we're, we're looking at a series of oil and gas blocks exploration areas which are being proposed in eastern Congo and many of these oil and gas blocks are directly overlapping with uh, Virunga National Park and this um, of course creates potential conflict between the park which is one of the last remaining strongholds for gorillas and these um, development plans to, to begin exploring for oil in this area. So we hope to use Moabi as at least a transparent platform to share information about these blocks, the companies involved, who's financing them and then to share any kind of analyses that we have in terms of what their impacts might be. So our scientists are looking at what could impacts be on water, or what could impacts be on forest um, from these types of activities. And then to post this information on Moabi, so the companies, the government, civil society groups, all have access to the same type of information and start a dialogue around it. And we hope that by having that type of direct approach and looking at the same type of data, we can have a much more robust conversation around whether these oil and gas um, exploration activities um, are going to, you know, what type of risks we could run in terms of affecting the park and particularly affecting these, this critical habitat for, for, for mountain gorillas where really if, if we lose the mountain gorillas, um, they're not going to go anywhere else. So it's a, a real, really important issue we do this now. Was there any internal reaction to winning the uh, recognition from the society? Absolutely, yeah. No, I think, um, I think my colleagues here were thrilled. I know um, it was announced in our general staff meeting here in the U.S. office, and uh, we, we sent it out around our, um, our forest and climate network. I think people are very um, excited to have won this award, and I think, uh, I think it, it demonstrates that WABI really is a potentially great um, and innovative tool that we hope can uh, contribute to um, more sustainable and more transparent land use planning. So it was great recognition. We're really uh, happy about it. Leo Bottrell is a senior program officer for the World Wildlife Fund Policy Unit, and he spoke to us from Washington, D.C. For more information about the winning entry from the World Wildlife Fund in the Society for New Communications Research Awards of Excellence, go to sncr.org 
forward slash node, N-O-D-E, forward slash 439. Well, congratulations on the award, and we thank you for joining us on the Society for New Communications podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this program from the Society for New Communications Research. For more information about the Society, visit our website, sncr.org. We produce this program in the studios of Lubetkin Global Communications in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, on the web at lubetkin.net. For everyone at the Society, this is Steve Lubetkin. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you out there on the net. Take good care. Thank you.